Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Drop Podcast. This is episode 74. I know, right? Unbelievable. 74 episodes of Rick and Ryan, their beautiful faces, and dulcet tones talking about the draft. That's right. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman. And today, we're looking at our favorite 2024 NFL Draft prospects heading into the 2023 college football season, which gets underway in exactly two days, Rick. Two days college football starts. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So, back in the GM days, would you... I don't even know if there was a week zero back then. Would you be checking out college football games the, the opening weekend, even before NFL got going? Oh, yeah. All the scouts are out. They've been through all the training camps, and they're out on the road. There'll be guys there. My favorite game, and it was a reward for me, was <laughs> after we got through the 53-man cutdown, got the final roster set, the Monday Labor Day game uh, was always my reward. So I'd fly out, go to that game, knew that it was time to get started for next year's draft. That was the official kickoff for me. So I went and saw a lot of those uh, Labor Day games. Uh, And my one game, the last game that I saw was Florida State uh, when Notre Dame went down to play Florida State. And I walk in the press box, and there was 25 general managers there all saying the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Through the, the cuts, the roster set, kick the ball, give the ball to the coaches, and let us move on in life. You've talked about this before, but for as tough-minded and, and all that other stuff that you have to be as a, as a football person, cut-down day is one of the worst days of the year for you, right? Yeah. Out of any day of the year, cut-down day is the worst. Uh, well, i got some bad news for you. We're going to be talking about cut-down day next week. I think cut-down cut day is officially on Tuesday. You don't have to fire anyone, so that's good, or let anyone go and kill their dreams. <laughs> but we'll be talking about what the rosters look like and, and uh, how those things shape up. But that's next week. Today... We're going to talk a little quarterback action. We'll also highlight some of our favorite players and some of the other positions. Think of it as young men. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, to watch this fall, who could possibly hear their names called early in the 2024 NFL draft. Speaking of which, Rick, is it too early to start? The, we are X numbers of days away from the 2024 NFL draft countdown. It cannot start until the first game of the regular season. Oh. So. Awesome. Well, here's a follow-up. Here's a little, I, t- I told you I had a few trivia questions for you. Here's an easy one. Easy one in the sense that you're not going to know it. No one will be expected to know it but me. Do you know how many days there are until the 2024 NFL draft? I uh, have no clue. 245. I was going to say 200 and some, but I there didn't. There you go. Yeah, All right. Well, you've you've decreed it. So next week we can start the cu- the countdown clock. <laughs> yeah, start to, you know, we'll get a clock up going on this podcast and uh, get excited for the 2024 draft, although it seems years away. It really does. Uh, what isn't years away is Labor Day, and Debo informs me that this year's Labor Day game, Clemson versus Duke, my guy Riley Leonard's going to be balling. 
<laughs> Can't wait to watch that one. <laughs> All right. If you missed it on Monday, Rick and I talked about some of our favorite performances uh, from rookies and young players from week two of the NFL preseason. And on Wednesday, Rick, while you were out playing golf, I talked to our guy, Eric Galco at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, he's the director of football operations and player personnel. And we talked about 2023 Shrine Bowl alums, Zay Flowers, DTR, Dorian Thompson Robson, of course, and Aiden O'Connell. And we looked ahead to the 2024 class, which includes a young man, ding, 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 named Joe Milton. What, why, why can't we put fine? Because you always said this is a fine young man. We need to get back to. Oh, fine. Yeah, they're both fine young men. You're exactly right. Uh, yeah. Joe Milton is a fine young man. But here's something, and this may not be a surprise to you, but after watching Joe Milton, did you go back and get a chance to watch Joe yet? No, I haven't. Okay, we'll talk about him in a second, but I'll, I'll tease this. Uh, Eric had some very interesting things to say uh, about where he thinks Joe Milton might end up getting drafted, and it's much higher than probably I thought for sure. Maybe some other folks too, but hang around. And we'll talk about that in a second. Anyway, you can find those podcasts in the old podcast feed. Next week, we'll look back at week three of the NFL preseason and react to week zero, as they call it in college football. We just talked about that. And two of the games to keep an eye on, Navy versus Notre Dame in Dublin, Ireland, and San Jose State and USC. Yeah. Who was the game last year in Dublin? Oh, that was Nebraska Northwestern. There you go. Oh, you know why I know that? Because I couldn't wait to watch the the tape of, of uh, just to get a chance to watch some players finally. Yes. So Skaronsky obviously was on the field there. Um, their quarterback, Casey Thompson, I watched him a little bit. He's since transferred. I think he transferred to FIU. But these are conversations we can talk about down the road. Can't believe I got that one right. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> All right. And I mentioned we'll talk about NFL cut down day. So, Rick, get yourself emotionally and mentally prepared for that. And finally, if you like what we do here, take a second to hit the old thumbs up on YouTube at NFL on CBS. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps grow the show and spread the word. All right, Rick. Let's start with some of the quarterbacks. Again, these are just our favorite players we're, we're interested in see take the field in this upcoming season here. So we're not going to do the scouting reports. You can check that out uh, if you're interested in that in the uh, summer scouting series, which is all up in the podcast feed. But I'm going to mention, or I'll list the quarterbacks that you sent to Debo that you're excited to see, and I'll mention the ones that I'm excited to see. So you had Drake May out of UNC and Quinn Ewers out of Texas, and I mentioned Joe Milton uh, out of Tennessee, and Devin Leary, NC State transfer, who got hurt and then went to uh, Kentucky to take over for a guy, Will Levis, there. So you want to start with Drake and, and tell us what, what you're excited to see and maybe some of the things. Let me start here, actually. I made a list. So Drake's underclassman. He could come back if he chose to. And we heard Caleb um, Caleb, Caleb Williams, I forgot his last name somehow, hint the other day that he doesn't know what he's going to do after the season. Yeah. But yeah. I went back and looked. What's <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Is that a dollar that he knows? <laughs> <laughs> but I went back and looked at some of my way too early mock drafts, which I know that you love, the ones that come out the day after the previous draft. And oh boy, I didn't want to say this out loud because you're put on your seatbelt because you're gonna have fun with this. Uh, in 2021, this was the draft that Trevor I had Trevor Lawrence going in the first round 11 and a half months later, which proved to be true. Justin Fields, um, also had Jamie Newman out of Wake Forest, he transferred from Georgia. Remember that he went undrafted, and Brock Purdy made the list. He He ended up returning to school, I ended up being Mr. Irrelevant. And then the next year, the 2022 way-too-early mock draft, I had Sam Howell as a first-round pick. He obviously went in round five. Uh, Spencer Rattler, he returned to school. Keaton Slovis, Jesus, <laughs> Lord help me. And Des Ritter, who actually returned to school as well. My point is this. You have no idea in May, much less in, in August and September. So what are the expectations for a Drake May, for example, or even a Quinn Ewers, that you want to see the progress that they make, that they maintain this first-round quarterback grade? 
Yeah, I, I'd like, I'd love to see uh, Drake May just take another step because I said he had traits to me like Trevor Lawrence. And I just was curious to see without the receivers that he's had the past couple of years, um, that if he's going to still be able to perform at that level, if he's going to be able to carry that team uh, to another successful season, because measuring these college quarterbacks, as I go all the way back to Matt Ryan, I've never seen a guy take a team and elevate them to a different level, even though they don't have the talent around them. So I'm kind of anxious to see because I couldn't name a North Carolina guy that we looked at, at least in the top tier of, of all these positions that we went through. You know, last year it was Downs and then Pete's guy, Green, up in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. But this year, I don't know who he's throwing the ball to, to be honest with you yet. So I'm anxious to see if he can take it to the next level. And can he solidify himself as the number two overall pick? Or is Marvin Harrison going to be the number two overall pick? Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh boy. So, oh boy. That's the one thing that I'm looking for. I'm <laughs> see him. But the guy that I'm most curious to watch this year is Quinn Ewers. Because if you watched him in that Alabama game before the, sur- the, the shoulder injury, you're going to say, yeah, maybe this, this guy is definitely a first-round pick. What he did after, when he came back from that shoulder surgery, he struggled. Now, he's got some weapons around him. He has the tight end. He has Worthy, the receiver. Uh, they have a good offensive line. Now, he doesn't have Bijan Robinson or Roshan Johnson in the backfield, but I'm sure they're loaded back there as well. But can he – when I watched him, I didn't think he was a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. I've seen post-shoulder uh, injury. What I'm anxious to see, especially when he goes down and they play in Alabama in September this year, how he responds to that. And then the other added element to this is they got Arch Manning. They just – whatever they paid him in NIL money – the greatest quarterback to come out in a long time, supposedly in high school. They got the number one quarterback recruit. So there's a little added pressure of Manning sitting on a bench right behind him. Now he beat him out through training camp, but how is Quinn Ewers going to respond to all the added pressure that's put on him this year? I was going to ask two questions. Do you think that Texas would have beaten Alabama had Quinn Ewers not gotten injured? I don't know. I mean, that's that's uh, they were working. He was working them over. They were. It would have been a really, really good game. And I know you. You're. You're. Right. I know yeah. you have some financial obligations to Alabama, but you can tell the truth. <laughs> it would have been a very tight game because he was. He was money. dealing. I would have put my money on Bryce Young that game. Fair enough. And the other question is, and you touched on it. I don't want to say this is an apples to apples, but remember. What was the what was the feeling when you were general manager about Spencer Rattler going into that year where he ended up losing his job at times to Caleb Williams who was a who was a freshman? Um, yeah, well, he was just so inconsistent uh, when you watched him, and right. then when Caleb Williams came in, you see a night and day difference in their offense. And uh, Riley is the a pretty good football coach and <laughs> pretty good job with quarterbacks. Uh, and Caleb Williams really took them to another level at Oklahoma before he, he transferred with Lincoln Riley over there to USC. So it'll be interesting to see uh, this year down in South Carolina. Now, just reading through some clips, they said he's had his best training camp he's ever had down there. 
can he possibly be a Jalen Hurts type that hit adversity, went to a new school? I know this is going to be a second year in the system down at South Carolina. Can all of a sudden he surface where no one's talking about him right now? Well, the reason I mentioned him, because, again, not the exact same situation, but just the pressure that you talked about that Quinn Ewers is going to face from the five-star sitting on the bench who's a freshman looking over his shoulder. And as soon as thing, as soon as soon he throws an interception, you wonder, like, I don't under, I don't know the Texas fan base and what their wants and needs are, whether they're sold on Quinn Ewers or whether they want to see Arch Manning. But I just wonder, if you ever overcome that pressure and you still play well, I would imagine that's something you consider in the evaluation process. That's a huge check. Yeah. Because, okay. It's just like Jalen Hurts. Why is he what he, he may not be the most talented thrower. Is a really good athlete, improved. He's got great receivers to throw to. But the ability to handle that adversity and how you come out on top of that adversity is a huge part of the evaluation. Yeah. I like Quinn Ewers too. And I, hopefully uh, he has a good season. Um, I will say that I think they, they beat Alabama last year the way they were playing. Um, they were Alabama looked a little sluggish. They were in Texas, and Quinn was was dropping dimes until he got hurt his shoulder there. All right, two guys that I'm two of my favorite guys. That I want to see what they do. Devin Leary, we'll start there. Quarterback, Kentucky transfer from NC State. After he hurt his shoulder, he's undersized, and it didn't necessarily he didn't necessarily look undersized to me on tape. But when we were at the Kentucky Pro Day watching Will Levis, um, Devin was there, and actually our buddy Josh Edwards, who we work with here at CBS Sports, pointed him out to me. He is not big, no. and the injury concerns, I'm sure, have something to do with the size. That said, he is tough. He'll stand in the pocket. He'll take hits. He, I thought he made a lot of good plays for NC State. I thought he was pretty athletic. Now, he's probably early day three guy at this point, but if he has a good season for Kentucky, I, I think that can elevate his game. And tell me what you think of this, because I think they moved on from the offensive coordinator last year, and that the Scangarello, I believe, who yeah. did know – didn't know, uh, didn't help Will Levis at all. I just my little wild theory here. I think Devin Leary has a better season this year than Will Levis did last year at Kentucky. Uh, potentially. Uh, I don't think he's as physically gifted. As no, Will. no way. No. And he is tiny. Is he a kind of have a Jake Hayner type year? I guess would be. Yeah. There you I, go. I, that's who pops into my head when you're sitting there talking. And again, he's played. 25 years in, in college, and we talked about it in the last podcast, all these quarterbacks with all this experience are actually balling out in the preseason because things are simplified and they know where to go with the ball and they look confident. And maybe that's going to be Devin Leary's path as well. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what he does in that Kentucky offense with that new offense. Um, but he has to stay healthy. Right. And, and the size will definitely be a concern, which may prevent him to get into a Friday because I don't think he's the same talent level. We talked about with Bryce Young, the oh, yeah. size concern. I, I hope you're not putting him in that category. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be the first overall pick. <laughs> All right, the other guy, listen, man, this dude athletically is up there in the Anthony Richardson athleticism category. I'm talking about Joe Milton, the quarterback out of Tennessee. Took over for Hendon Hooker when Hendon tore his ACL late last year, and it was okay in, in the in the final game. I think the bowl game he played in. Prior to that, he was at Michigan, and, and he had opportunities there. didn't work out, and then he, he moved on to Tennessee. It's his chance to shine, and he's been around the block. He's not Anthony Richardson in terms of only having 13 career starts under his belt before he heads to the NFL. Uh, he can throw the ball a mile. Uh, again, we were talking with Eric Galco on the podcast, the Shrine Bowl director, and he was at the Manning Passing Academy. And let me just ask you quickly, are you allowed to go to that if you're in the NFL? Uh, technically, I think you can go down to that. I'm not sure. 
of the rule. I don't know how many GMs actually go down to that um, because there are rules in place, but I don't know the specific rule. I never was able to go down there and attend. Okay, so you never went to that. Yeah. I no. didn't know if that was something that scouts would go to, or I didn't know what the, how that worked. But either way, Eric Galco was there, and he saw Joe Milton, and he said Joe Milton had a better, had a better arm than Anthony Richardson, number one. Number two, and, and Eric is as tied in as anyone, he, he, and he, they obviously have scouts on the Shrine Bowl staff. He thinks if Joe Milton has a good year, he could potentially be a top 10 pick. Now, again, a year ago, we weren't talking about Anthony Richardson as going fourth overall. Uh, there's a lot of questions about, is he going to start? How much is he going to play? Even during the course of the fall where he had some stinker football games, you were trying to figure out where he would end up going. And when I watched Milton, athleticism, triple check, I thought he looked like a fourth-round guy, a developmental project. He's a little older, though. But I think the the takeaway is that depending on which gla- set of glasses you're looking at, he could be Anthony Richardson or he could be a developmental quarterback. So what do you what do you think about old Joe Milton there? I would say this, um, just thinking about it, is that the one thing when you watch Anthony Richardson, and I go back to – two years ago when he played against LSU, you've seen some things that were just, wow, mm-hmm. this guy does exceptional things and not a lot of quarterbacks can do, not only at the collegiate level, but in the NFL. But then you say some, wow, the other way, where it was like, what right. is he thinking? What is he looking at? Exactly. Yeah. So you've seen, if you watched the LSU game two years ago, that was a pretty good snapshot of what Anthony Richardson was going into last year. Then you watch the Utah game and what he did in that Utah game, but then you can throw on some other games and it's like, wow, the other way. (laughs) I don't know if Joe Milton had as many. I understand the arm talent and, you know, he can throw the ball out of the stadium. Mm -hmm. Can he hit anyone when he throws the ball out of the stadium? (laughs) The guy walking to his car not paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I just don't know if all that translates. And the same thing we talked about, Anthony Richardson. Does it translate to being a quarterback uh, in the NFL? Because just arm talent alone is not going to get you very successful or very far in the NFL. You have to have all the other checks in place. The you know all the background stuff, the, the psychological testing, the processing that you're looking at. So he'll be an exciting prospect. To watch because just like Quinn Ewers, he's going to have a lot riding on this season and yeah. how he performs. And he, they both have very talented rosters to go along to, you know, Tennessee is going to have athletes all over the place. So is Texas. Yep. So it be interesting to see as the season goes along. We recognize the skill set, but can it translate to being an NFL quarterback? Same questions we had on Anthony Richardson last year at this time, if we had this podcast going last year. Yeah, I had, I just did it by myself uh, in the basement. <laughs> forgot, to hit, forgot to hit record, but I did ask that question. Here's the other thing. And by all accounts, uh, Joe Milton's a fine young man. Like the, the off the field, he, he's great. I don't know about the psychological. Obviously, I, haven't, I have no idea about that part. And we'll find out in due time. But what about this? Anthony Richardson, incredibly raw. So there's a, a lot of room for growth. And Joe Milton has been around the block a few times. So he's not a, a spring chicken anymore. So how much can you learn when you're in year four, year five of college and the expectation be two or three years down the road in the NFL? Well, he has more experience than Anthony Richardson. 
So I would say this is that, okay, here's the hat, wear the hat. Let's see what you do with a hat. Yeah. on. Now you're the guy. You don't have to worry about when he was up at Michigan as JJ McCarthy or whoever's coming in. Um, and then he was back up because he wasn't going to be ahead of Hendon hooker last year and then got his opportunity because of the injury. But now this is your show. This is your team. Uh, here's the ball. Let's see what you do. All right. All right. Let's take a quick break. And by the way, as I mentioned, Rick, think about this, because this is your trivia question. After the break, Rick will tell you the answer. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready? Yep. When was the last time a wide receiver was taken first overall in the NFL draft? Think about that. Ooh. And the backup is, could it happen again this spring? All right, quick break after this. All right, Rick, you have time to check Google real quick? No, because I, I don't know how to use Google. <laughs> <laughs> What's your guess? Uh, I am going to say it was um, uh, the Detroit take a receiver first overall one year when Matt Millen was there. I don't think I think Charles 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 Rogers went. I don't think he went first overall. Okay, and, that was the one who I was thinking. And that was after this young man was drafted. So, if I give you this school, I think you get it because you're pretty good with schools. USC. Oh yeah, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, 1996, first overall. Yep. All right, and uh, when we take another yeah, break, the schools. You give me the schools. I'm pretty good. I know. Well, I'll give you the schools because I have another trivia question for you after after the next break. But I, I mentioned Keyshawn because we're talking wide receivers right now. And I mentioned, I teased that one of these guys could go first overall. Of course, I'm talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. Any chance Marvin Harrison Jr. goes first overall? Never. If Caleb Williams says, I'm coming back to school for whatever reason. Then, then, yeah, then there could be a potential for a receiver to go number one. Oh, my gosh. Could the you only imagine? reason I'm saying that is because on how important the receiver position has become in the NFL. And like we talked about in some previous podcasts, I would never guess that a premier running back would make less than a receiver. Uh, yeah. And now today it's shifted where receivers are going to make, you know, Justin Jefferson, the Tyree kills, they're going to be $30 million range. Uh, but if you would have said that 10 years ago, I would have said you're, you're crazy. That's not, what would you have said if I told you Cole Komet's going to make more than, than uh running back is going to make <laughs> I mean, I think his was four years, $50 million. And look, running backs will make more than that, the top-tier running backs. But it, it, it's not many of them going to make more than that. No, and it's just because of the shift in the NFL and the way the uh, – I looked at a uh, – Googling. Uh, I did, <laughs> was reading through some stuff this morning. Did you know, I believe, the last 10 Super Bowl winners have never paid a running back? Yeah, and that's I look, man, and you obviously you know you guys drafted Adrian Peterson. I feel bad for these running backs because they are important to to what the to making the offense run. But the the trade off is 
and this is just a whole, whole you know cold hard reality of it. You can have one Jonathan Taylor, or you can pay three backs that does that do seventy five percent of the work of Jonathan Taylor, and still have money left over to do other things. And and that's the thing. The difference I would argue with, and it doesn't seem to be the trend, is that you may pay a running back more, like San Francisco, if you're not paying your quarterback two yes. plus million dollars. That's so right. If you have a quarterback where you're paying top-tier quarterback money, that makes it very difficult. You have to make a decision, and, well, we're going to have to go with the running back and do it on a more economic scale uh, because we just got everything into this quarterback, where if it's a young quarterback and you're not paying him yet, then maybe you do go ahead and pay a running back, not saying $20 million a year, but up in that $12, $13 million range a year. That's a great point, and also makes it even more curious that the Colts have their quarterback on a rookie deal, year one of the rookie deal, right. and they're still mussing, mussing around about Jonathan Taylor's future. Yeah, we can go into a whole other podcast. Just yeah, how they no, the that's a good point. Thing. So, and yeah. also, um, I'm pretty sure Seattle played Marshawn when Russ was on his rookie deal, and when they had that core together, the Legion of Boom, they were able to pay those guys. Uh, offensively, they worked around Russ on that rookie. He was a third-round contract, too, so even cheaper than it would have been had he been a first-round pick. No fifth-year option, of course. But that's a good point. And uh, I feel bad for these running backs, man, because those guys are – they they get beat up probably more than anyone else on the field, I would imagine. Yeah, no, that's a high-risk uh, high injury position. But in meanwhile, Marvin Harrison Jr., wherever he gets drafted, first, second, third, he's going to get paid, and he's going to be a game-changer immediately. I don't know if you want me to say this. But when we were at the Ohio State Pro Day, it was hard not to take your keep your eyes uh, peeled on Marvin Harrison Jr. watching him run routes for CJ. My skilled eye, I was focused on this year's draft. <laughs> My unskilled eye, I was like, "Good lord, this man is a he's a dude out here." And he you know, a lot of those guys got drafted. Yeah, he is a real dude. So, have you? I don't not to go into hyperbole, but just seeing him play on Saturdays, and we haven't seen him play in person. Do you remember anyone with that? I mean, Calvin Johnson comes to mind, but anyone like that that stuck out to you that was just so dominant? And Calvin Johnson with the Georgia Tech, so it's a little different. Right. No, I mean, Chase was not bad now when you watch him. <laughs> he took the year off, but right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's been some pretty good uh, receivers up there. I'm not saying that this is the greatest receiver that has ever came out of college football, but he is going to be up there. Uh, is one of the highest drafted receivers in a in a while. All right, let's take a let's do a dollar bet. Okay. Um, you can take the over or the under. Is that for Devonta Smith? Who's that for Debo? <laughs> Rick, watch. <laughs> Debo doesn't believe you. Oh, D. I think Debo thinks that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be an absolute game changer. He's going to be Randy Moss 2.0. Is that what I'm getting, Debo? No, I'm just saying that's that's Rick trying not to watch Marvin Harrison, <laughs> unable to take his eyes away. <laughs> that's that is 100% true when he's doing his little power stance there in the back of the end zone. All right, fair enough. I thought Debo was was uh making his Devontae Smith stand as a as an Eagles homer. Um, oh, all right, here's the over under, and you can go on either side of this. I'm going to say whether it's at the combine or his pro day, he has to run it or the bets off. Marvin Harrison's going to run a four. Four eight. I'm going to say he'll be four four five or lower. Oh, because even if he ran a four five four, I'm still taking him second overall. I do not care. Okay, that's great. If he runs a four five four, are you at all concerned or no? A little bit, but yeah, no he's way. still a good player. 
No way. You got to take your own advice, uh, just like with uh, Brian Branch. Did he play fast? Did he look good on tape? Should he have been a first-round pick? Yes, yes, and yes. I don't care. He can run in moon boots and run a f- eight-second 40. I'm All right, so mark that down, Debo. Uh, Rick says under 448. I hope he does. All right, let's talk about his teammate uh, again. I mean, this is wide receiver you, Amika Abuka, and you comped him to Jamar? Yeah, well, I put the combination of Jamar and Justin Jefferson on the same team. I Sweet think mercy. <laughs> it's, these two are very similar talent-wise as far as the combination of the best receivers. And I believe, and I said this before, that the combination uh, Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Ibuka, Ibuka, uh is better than Alave and Wilson. Yeah. Now, the question is, who's the quarterback? Right. That's- I, I agree with that. I think you're right about the wide receivers. And those two wide receivers are amazing, Olave and Garrett Wilson. Those those guys are game changers for their teams, but I think these guys are have a chance to be even more special. Yep. But I, you got to get someone throwing the football. Yeah, that's the question. I mean, even with Jefferson and Chase, they had Joe Burrow, um, you know, Olave, and uh, that was it Justin Fields and yep. C.J. Stroud. Yep. Uh, so last year for these two was CJ Stroud. So whoever the quarterback is at Ohio state, um, will determine that. But I think these are two of the best combination or the two, of the top receiver tandems that have come out in the draft in a long, long time, because I think Mbuka could be a top 10 pick. Uh, yeah, I was actually, I was, when I was thinking about writing up that tease, I was going to say, is there an opportunity for two of the, the, the two of the Ohio state wide receivers to go in the top five? That's a little rich, but I mean, for sure, would be a realistic goal. Yeah, because I think athletically, clearly Marvin Harrison Jr., but Abuka is more of an overall athlete than Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think. Jackson Smith and Jigba does some things really well. Um, But necessarily, deep speed isn't one of those things, although he he had a deep catch the other day. I think he he hurt himself. He's not going to be – he might be – wrist, that's what it was. Okay, so he hopefully is ready for week one. All right, uh, some of the guys that I'm interested in and that that I – you know, some of my favorite players. Xavier Worthy, you mentioned him earlier, the wide receiver for Texas. He's a little Skinny. slender on paper, but he I think he doesn't look necessarily that thin on on tape. Kate Stover, the tight end, another Ohio State target that's going to have an opportunity to shine. He played defense early in his career, and he's still early on in his development. And then Amarius Mims, the enormous Georgia tackle, who is uh, relatively early in his development. But when I watched him, I was like, oh, boy, this this dude is for real. And I'll just throw in your guys here as well. Travion Henderson, another Ohio State player at running back. I mean, if that I offensive line. I see him because his freshman year, he ran for 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns. Last year, he was hurt. Didn't look the same as his freshman year. So I think he's going to have a big year, even though you got the two receivers, even though you got the tight end, that the running back is going to help whoever – the quarterback is and given this kid, the ball, when he does get an opportunity and he is healthy, he's pretty special with the ball in his hand. And we said during our summer scouting series on running backs, there are no first rounders as we sit here, the no. running back position. No. Um, let me take you back. Clyde Edwards, the in the fall, I would imagine no one thought he was a first round picker in the summer and the fall, he got fired up in that final year at LSU. Yeah, no, but I think people it, always, you're a revisionist, if that's a word. It is um, to go back and look historically on guys. And if you're comparing these guys and then you say, well, this guy definitely reminds me of player a, mm-hmm. what happened to player a, 
and that's where you do and learn the scouting is you always go back and we're making trying to make these comparisons now uh, to guys that we envision them when we watch them, except you use your pewter to come up with whatever formula you use. It doesn't work very well. I just go through the Rolodex and, oh, yeah, this guy just popped into my head. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, you always go back, well, if this guy is that player, what happened to that player? Um, you know, And then you get all the rest of the answers to the test as you go through the pre-draft process. So I'm glad you brought that up because I spent way too much time looking at all the first round picks by position from 2010 until the 2023 draft. And I'll, uh, some more pop quizzes for you. And there no, you won't know the answer to this off the top of your head, but just for, for fun's sake, which position on the offense produces the most first round picks from 2010 to 2023? I'm going to say uh, offensive tackle. <laughs> You're close. So on average, 3.8 offensive tackles go in the first round going back to 2010 do you know which one was first this i was sort of surprised receiver yeah 3.9 on yeah. average almost four more than the quarterbacks which is only just a little bit over three yep. so offensive tackle makes sense being behind wide receivers sort of a surprise but you talked about it earlier they're becoming so important to what you do offensively right well yeah and you're talking about what i missed it by a hundredth or a tenth yeah a tenth <laughs> i thought you're a math guy <laughs> <laughs> By the way, speaking of uh, things that you were close but not really close on, uh, our buddy Amanda Gare texted me the other day because she was listening to the last podcast, and she said she got a good chuckle out of you thinking that Messi was from from Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> so she got she got a good ways into the podcast. So I appreciate Amanda listening. And by the way, Rick, you were watching Linus on Paramount Plus. Thank you for watching Paramount Plus. But while you're watching that, you missed Leo Messi and Inter Miami and their comeback win over. FC Cincinnati, they were down 2 0. And then Messi had an assist in the 90 something minute, sent it to extra time. They went on penalty kicks. Wow. So, right? All right. That's why Paramount Plus, you have so many different options. <laughs> it just makes it hard to choose. I know, right? Yeah, that was that was good fun. I think it was actually in the Galazzo Network as well. So you can check that out as we continue our journey through. For free. For free. The U.S. Open Cup. All right, uh, Patrick Paul, you also had on your list of favorite guys you wanted to watch on offense. Yeah, he's he's think, off the stack out of Houston. Yeah, I just wanted to touch base on him real quick. He has the athletic skill set to be a first-round talent, but he didn't play to that level. Now, I have him as a Friday guy right now, but going into the Big 12, playing against better competition, he's going to get tested, and it'll be interesting to see if he can take that next step and how he responds especially to better competition. So I'm excited to see uh, to see where he ends up. Yeah, it's funny. Like I had him as a first round grade based on the potential. You had him as a day day two guy. And then, you know, you were giving me the business about our buddy Javon Bullard not being a day one guy because I I got hung up on the measurables. So different reasons. I mean, you want to see him continue to progress. Uh, by the way, I've hidden all my on my computer. I've hidden all my heights and weights of the prospects. So I'm just watching guys now. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah, this will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it can't get worse, right? Yeah, fasten your seatbelt. It's going to get worse. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you this as I'm looking through, since I did all this work, which offensive player has the fewest number of, on average, players taken in the offensive position, excuse me, has the fewest number of, of players drafted in the first round? I'm going to say guard or center, interior offensive line. 
Actually, no. Two point four on average. And you're not going to. You're not going to throw in a fullback. Oh, God forbid. No, know. but you know, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end, offensive tackle, interior offensive line. Those are my categories. Okay, I I, uh, I was close though, right? Interior offensive line. Uh, the 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 smallest one is actually a pretty big difference. This the the position that has the least number of first round picks. Tight end. Tight end. Less than one. Well, that's changing. That is changing. Last year, although only one went, Dalton Kincaid somehow was the only one to go. None went in 2022. Had a lot of zeros, actually, surprisingly, but you're right, it's changing. Then running back. Actually, had two last year, which is sort of funny. On average, one and a half running backs go um, in the first round. Okay. Again, you mentioned Pete Prisco turned everyone on, including the Detroit Lions to Antoine Green, the wide receiver out of wide receiver. He turned us on to Jalen Conyers, a tight end out of Arizona State. He was one of your favorite guys. And you actually like this guy. Like he's a good athlete, and he's it's a good athlete. And why I wanted to watch him this year was because he was very rarely used in a passing game until towards the end of the season. All of a sudden, they started throwing them the ball at the end of the season, and he started producing. And with the new head coach coming in, uh, Kenny Dillingham's offense, I'm going to be interested to see how this tight end is used in his offense, and if he can build off of what he showed at the end of last season. Okay. I like it. I like him, too, when we watched him. We talked about him as well, if you're interested in hearing more about uh, Conyers in the summer scouting series about the tight ends. All right, we're going to take another quick break, but before we do, follow-up trivia question to you, Rick. Think about this over the break. How many Hall of Famers came out of that 1996 class in which Keyshawn Johnson went first overall. And you get a dollar towards your dollar bet total for the 2024 draft two. cycle. Two. two. Everyone. You got to name names, dude. You got to give me names. You can't just say that. <laughs> so think about that. Check your Peter real quick. And we'll be right back after this. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve dollars and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. So, Rick, if you were listening to the audio version of this podcast, you missed the commercial for Transformers Rise of the Beast on Paramount+. Plus. And I mentioned that because my 11-year-old is neck deep into Transformers, and he was so excited to watch that. So I watched it with him. It was actually really good. Take him to Universal Studio, and when the Transformers come out of the building, quite the experience. <laughs> oh, you went over Christmas. Did they scare you? Yeah. Oh, my God. My daughter ran. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll put that on the to-do list. All right. Back to the uh, the job at hand here. Do you have any idea who and how many Hall of Famers came out of that 1996 class in which Keyshawn Johnson was the first overall pick? Two. I don't have any idea of the names. Six. Six? And let me tell you these names. And... It just goes to show the draft is such a crapshoot because you would take every single one of these players over Keyshawn, no disrespect to Keyshawn. Ray Lewis came out of this class. They also got Jonathan Ogden in that draft, by the way, also a Hall of Famer, the Ravens did. Marvin Harrison, senior, out of Syracuse. Terrell Owens, where'd he go to school? Tennessee Chattanooga. Oh, my gosh, look at this. Zach Thomas, 
Texas Tech. And one more. Debo's guy, Brian Dawkins. Oh, God. Why, we always have to have Debo involved in this. I don't understand. Where did Brian Dawkins go? Oh, that's a good one. He wasn't uh, Maryland, was he? No. Uh, close. You're on the on the right coast. Yeah. I, you know Debo? Of course. I know the greatest safety of this generation went to Clemson. <laughs> Look at old Debo. I thought I had Debo on that one. All right. Yes. Yeah, six Hall of Famers out of that class. That's pretty impressive. All right, Rick, I just got a reminder that you and I are doing HQ at 1215, so don't forget about that. Let's talk about the defense real quick here. Here's some of the guys that you love and um, all these guys we've talked about on the Summer Scouting Series, so you can certainly check that out. Dallas Turner, the edge rusher at Alabama, number 15, taken over in a sense for Will Anderson. He played opposite of him last year. Mason Smith, the defensive tackle at LSU, didn't play last year because of an ACL injury. He suffered in week one. I just saw that he got suspended for the week one FSU game because of some autographs he signed pre-COVID before NIL deal. That seems silly to me, but that's a not the podcast we're on. We're talking about that, unfortunately, for Mason Smith. Great news for Danny Cannell and BMAC, FSU alums. Uh, Denzel Burke, the cornerback at Ohio State. Uh, you're higher on him than I am. And then Javon Bullard, the the nickel out of Georgia, who you really like. I like, but you like a lot. Yeah. Now, Dallas Turner, I'm just anxious to see without Will Anderson opposite him as a pass rusher to see if he can still produce the same as uh, he did in the past. Although being down in Alabama, they've got an army of guys right behind them. So they'll have a pretty good team, but (laughs) just can Dallas uh, do the same things that he was able to do without Will Anderson opposite of him. Mason Smith to me was a first round talent back in 21, all the way ACL. How's he come off that ACL injury? Burke, just like the uh, running back Henderson at Ohio State had a really good 2021, 2022. I was very disappointed. I was like, why am I even watching this guy? Some of the tape. You mentioned that too, because that's how I felt when I watched him. But if you go back and I said, like I watched one game in 2021, two different players. So I want to see if he can get back to what he was like in 2021. And then Javon Bullard is uh, in that just good football player category. Undersized, but Rick doesn't look at heights or weights unless I just look at guys that like to play ball. It's not that so, hard. Let me ask you about the Mason Smith thing. Is this first? I'm, I can't believe I'm asking this. Is this first name pronounced Mason, or you just said that? Uh, it's my French accent. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, Why are you asking him? I know. <laughs> I, he said, I know. That's on me. <laughs> it's on Smith. <laughs> oh, that's on all my languages. They're all Spilmanese, but no one else understands. Debo, dock me a dollar. Put a dollar in the Rick Bet bin for me. I even asking him if that's how you pronounce something. <laughs> but let me ask you this: the fact that he got suspended for this game, which seems stupid to me, but whatever. How frustrating is that if you're a GM planning to go to LSU? Are you going anyway to watch the other guys? Go anyway to watch him, okay. and he'll play in all the other games, and there'll be a lot of good competition in the SEC. So you'll have plenty of opportunity to evaluate him. I don't even know who did they open up with. Florida State. That's why I said this is great news for Danny and BMAC because the, yeah. they don't have to face Mason or Mason. Yeah. Mason. <laughs> wait, can we get him on the stage at the combine next year and I can uh, ask him if his name is Mason? Yes, that that make a note, Debo. That's gonna be the, the first the biggest priority of the offseason planning. Make sure we get Rick on the stage with Mason. We've got the LSU Pro Day and let talk to him there. All right. I like I like um I like Dallas, I like Mason. I want to see Burke D. Moore and Bullard. Uh, I liked him and now you turned me on to him as uh someone who's potentially gonna be prime for a big year 
Here's some of the guys that, that I love. I can't wait to see. Chop Robinson. We didn't get a chance to talk about him in detail, but I watched him ahead of the scouting summer scouting series on the edge rushers. He is, uh, you know, you say all the time, a guy plays with his hair on fire. This dude has his hair on fire. He is strong, and, and he's pretty twitched up. Jerzon Newton, the defensive lineman at Illinois. Last year, we were focused on, in the secondary with Devin Witherspoon and my guy, Sidney Brown, Juan Martin, all guys who got drafted uh, first two days. Devin went fifth overall. But Newton was an absolute monster in the middle. Uh, I think he was my DL1. I think you had him in your top five of the guys that we yeah. were. Yeah, no, he's a good football player. Just I, th- He needs to show a little bit more consistency as an inline pass rusher. My- Let me ask you about that because I, I – I, there were some concerns from fans through the first few weeks of the preseason that the offensive line in general across the NFL, there isn't much depth and defensive linemen in the second and third teams were destroying the first team offensive lines. Is, is that sound about right? Usually there's more depth along the defensive line than offensive line. Just the defensive line. They really don't have to think they just go. Yeah. The offensive line is learning a new playbook, trying to identify protections, doing a lot of things up front. And I'm not saying they hesitate, but and they're working with different combinations up front all the time. Right. So it's not like you have your starting five that work, you know, together in practice every day. You have different combinations up there. So that's a little bit of a chemistry issue. Uh, offensive line seems to be the group that takes the longest to, to develop uh, because they have to learn the speed of the game. They have to learn they're working with, you know, whoever their partner is next to them. Um, but it's a mixed match and hodgepodge of offensive linemen. And you may have two guys in there that aren't even going to make an NFL team, but because mm-hmm. of because you don't want to get a guy hurt, you're throwing them in there. Then you have all these guys on the defensive side of the ball that can just go play football. They don't right. have to think. So that's why you see some struggles with the offensive line. I remember Scott Pioli saying, well, your boy, your left tackle from North Carolina state, uh, oh, had a few struggles here this preseason that he <sighs> step up Iggy. i know i need to see more from icky because icky was a grown man in college against acc competition and the anchoring wasn't an issue the athleticism wasn't an issue and it just seems to be a different speed which isn't a surprise necessarily but i remember scott pioli saying once a few years ago at the senior bowl that even when as a general manager when you sign players bring them in in the middle of the season because of injuries or whatever uh just depth guys especially on the offensive line at some point you just like want guys that aren't going to get other guys hurt Correct. So, you know, you may not be the next coming of Joe Alt, for example, but just stay on your feet so you're not rolling up our, our starting center or our starting left tackle because you're in there. Yeah. Well, you actually have conversations and coaches will say, I can't put this guy in there. He's like, I want hurt. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's what my baseball coaches just say about me, not getting people hurt. But uh, true story, my college baseball coach, according to people that were on the bench, said uh, we have to find a way to get Wilson out of the game. <laughs> That's something you never want to hear, firsthand or secondhand, it turns out. Uh, but anyway, Newton, um, you mentioned more consistency. I, I like the what we saw from him last summer, uh, last year, excuse me. So hopefully he built on that. Another guy that I love and can't wait to see is Barrett Carter, the linebacker out of Clemson. He is he fits the mold of the new age quotation mark off-ball linebacker, and that he's probably 225, 6'1", 6 feet, whatever he is. He can run sideline to sideline. He'll take on blocks. He'll hit people. Jeremiah Trotter Jr., his uh, teammate, is more of the traditional linebacker that we've seen over the last whatever quarter century. But I think Barrett Carter could be one of these twitched up. I think he's better than uh, Trenton Simpson, who got drafted by the Ravens. Uh, Not as big, maybe more instinctive. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. And the other guy, and I hesitate to mention him because he's young and I don't want to 
I don't want people to be reading this and getting in his ear or whatever. That to, to, Nate Wiggins, the cornerback out of Clemson. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to ruin a kid's career and have him come out because Ryan Wilson said. I know, can you imagine that? That'd be that's a huge burden to bear. He's 19, but he's long. He's not going to tackle anyone, but he's a, he's he's really strong in pass coverage, and uh, he was fun to watch. But we'll see. Hopefully, he makes the right decision on his college future. But um, I'm looking forward to watching him play. Whether he stays or goes, that's certainly up to him. Look at that, 46 minutes, Rick. Ryan, I have a trivia question. Oh, here we go. And this is inspired by someone in the chat earlier. And there's not a definitive answer right now. But how many Hall of Famers did Rick Spielman draft? When it's all said and done, we have AP as a lock. And yeah, then I think a lock. there's a couple other question marks. Justin so, Jefferson, certainly oh. on track. So wait a second, though. Your first draft was 2007. Is that right, Rick, or was it before yes. that? 2007. So yeah, that's AP, um, Justin Jefferson. I'm I think Rick's Diggs is you know making a case. Yeah, not, yeah, not a lock whatsoever. I think the sneaky one is Harrison Smith. Oh, that Harrison Smith's going in. I think. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, he's he's been a great player for a long time. I, I would say uh, Jared Allen, but we didn't draft him. We traded for him, and I don't know if Kevin Williams, whoever. I didn't. Tr- I didn't draft him, so I couldn't take credit for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that would be. Uh, those would be probably maybe the four. That's pretty good. Running backs, you know, don't get in anymore. Dalvin at, at one point you probably think so. Who knows? Christian Darrisaw might turn out to be a top five left tackle of all time. Yeah, Prisco's going to vote for him for sure because Prisco found him and then told Rick about him. That's how Rick got onto Christian Darrisaw. So yeah, I didn't even know. Go then. He never talked to me when he came to training camp. <laughs> you too busy talking to Zimmer. Are, are Mike Zimmer and Pete Prisco similar or they're not similar? Similar. Yeah, I was going to say they feel like they would be cut from the same cloth. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, that's it. Unless you got anything else, Rick? No, no. It, uh, excited for next week. We'll talk about be interesting to see how this cut down goes and who gets waived and, uh, Maybe talk some of the strategies behind why they may have waived that player as well. And also, one of the things you're doing, like literally today, the next few days, if you're a general manager in the front office, you're looking around the league and trying to figure out who else is getting cut. Is that right? Yeah, no, we've already had all the reports sent in. So uh, so we're actually getting ready to stack the board as we potentially Jeez. try to make the predictions on who's going to get cut from other teams. Uh then you'll go back after this weekend uh, to maybe look at some of those guys. But instead of doing the whole league right now, now you're at the point of training camp where you know you have to fill this need or that need. Or, hey, we want to upgrade this position or that position. So you may really – you'll talk about all the guys, but you really may start honing in on a position of need um, that you want to try to fill at the 53-man cutdown. And a lot of times there's conversations going on this week on, hey, this guy's on the bubble. Are you willing to maybe trade for him? You know, I was going to ask you. Yeah. So let's say you don't get the guy you want, and then is there a plan B trade? Well, you know, and then, then that's like throwing the uh, nickels at, you know, at the end of the draft. Six, seven yeah. rounders are flopping this or flopping that. And a lot of it will be you won't make a trade because you want to wait to see how – healthy get out of this last preseason game but more important if you're picking at the bottom of the pecking order which goes off of last year's 
draft order. Yeah. So if you're in the low 20s and you know that this guy may get cut, that you're not going to have an opportunity to go get him because someone else will probably claim him before he drops down to you in the claiming order, then maybe you'd do something like that. Do you have any memories of drafting, of trading for guys this late in the process that no, worked out? Traded away a couple guys. Okay. Late. I don't, you know, usually we stayed pretty patient um, and uh, kind of waited to see if guys came down. And it's like draft day. It's like <laughs> we put a claim in on guys and then you find out, you know, once all the claims are in and everything, the league will call you and say, you got him or you didn't get him. And if you did get him in the claiming order, then you got an hour to make a roster move. And oh, geez. Difficult because you may be having practice out there. and <laughs> You got to run back to the building. Yeah, Well, no, you're in the building, but then you have to run, have someone run down and bring that player up off of practice. Say, hey, we're going to have to let you go. Oh, I see. Gotcha. So those are those. That's why it's so miserable this time of year. And I don't envy the general managers and everybody that have to make those decisions because it's hard. By the way, a little tease for next week. And we talked about it in the last podcast when I asked you specifically about sort of reevaluating Trey Lance if you're one of the other teams that liked him coming out. That's going to be a real conversation, it sounds like now, because um, Sam Darnold's been named number two. Trey Lance wasn't at practice on Wednesday as we're recording this. He's supposed to play in the final preseason game, which feels sort of weird. So we'll find out together, but maybe that's something we'll be talking more about next week. Yeah, and are they willing to trade him, and and what would they be willing to take? No one's going to give him the value, a first, second-round pick. You may be able to get a Saturday pick for him. And yeah, well, I asked you last last podcast, said fourth-rounder, and you just didn't want to answer it. So yeah. if, I, if you call with a fourth-rounder, are you considering it? I don't know if I'm San Francisco considering it, yeah. considering the quarterback history injury, uh, injury yeah. that we have here, that you almost want to go in with three. And, you know, Purdy – as well as he played, he hasn't shown that he is durable yet. He hasn't just had an, a track record of it. You know, Sam Darnold has been healthy, and if he's your number two, but what are you willing to stomach if you <laughs> trade away Trey Lance? That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, that's crazy. All right. We'll talk about that stuff and more. What do you got, Debo? Oh, Brandon Allen's their number four as well. So. Ah, Brandon Allen, maybe go back to Cincinnati because with Joe Burrow's calf injury and uh, Simeon and uh, Browning, who I had both. And oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, I had both. I know you had Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, paid Jake after the draft as a college free agent. Actually, I had an opportunity to win our number two job, and uh, did not end up playing very well. Had a really good camp, but didn't play very well winning. He had uh, his opportunity in preseason, and we tried to uh, try to get him back on practice squad. We were hemming and hauling a little bit at the time, and then he ended up signing on Cincinnati's practice squad. Huh. Got some breaking news via Debo, and I just want to tell you before Prisco texts you and gloats, Kellen Mond's been cut by the Browns. Oh, good. <laughs> so be prepared for that text from Pete Prisco. All right. That's it. Let's get out of here. I love Kellamon too. I, you know what? I still have a scout that texts me every once in a while and laughs at me because I was so high on Kellamon, but whatever. He's not a Viking scout, in case you're wondering. <laughs> hey, we all can't be perfect, like Pete. All right, that's it. Remember, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. And if you haven't, take two seconds right now to hit the thumbs up. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, give us a five star review. That's it. That's a wrap on episode 74. Thanks as always to my guy Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing. And thanks to all you guys who watch, listen, and comment. 
We'll be back next week. Recap week four or week three of the preseason. It's no longer week four. Talk a little college football and we'll talk cut down day around the show. See you then. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.